Yeah, I mean, I think we were going to be in the same situation as we were Friday night. Going to start a game in in the rain, and with really the the thought process was it was only going to get worse as the day went on. So it was like, do you burn the starter? Or the whole the whole thing it didn't make any sense. So yeah, uh, think a better decision today. Still, it's been a frustrating series here. Obviously, with the weather and the way things have went. So yeah, it's been. I think it was a good decision. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. Trey, I hope it's drier where you are. I was going to ask you, Mike, you had you probably had enough of seeing that LL Bean tarp over and over this weekend, didn't you? I saw more LL Bean tarp than I saw baseball over this weekend. Well, like at this point, what do you, which which tarp is nicer, the LL Bean tarp or the Skittles tarp at Nationals Park? I have a very soft spot for the Skittles one, but I think it was Chicago that has the Reynolds wrap. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Reynolds wrap. The Reynolds which is, wrap. Which is hilarious. Good the thing. Reynolds, thing of it's the concept. Yes. It's hilarious. Yeah. It takes the cake. It's just, it was fitting for it. But yeah. yeah, I wish, I'm hoping I don't have to see another tarp the rest of this road trip, but I'm Open not stadiums. holding my breath. I'm not holding my breath as I make my way to Buffalo and then have four days in Pittsburgh. Yeah, but, well, I don't, I don't know what they unfurl over in Buffalo, but I mean, if they do at PNC, that's a shame. But it's one of the most beautiful vistas in in all of baseball when you look out there and you see the bridge and all of that. So hopefully, it's some, some nice sunny weather for you out there. Fingers crossed. But on that note, let's tr- let's talk first about the little bit of baseball that was played this weekend at Fenway Park. Uh, the Marlins dropped both of their games to the Red Sox. Uh, Friday, they lost 5-2 to two in five-and-a-half innings in a game that was played just in completely awful weather. It was downpouring from the start. It gave me semi-flashbacks to that game in City Field that was, post- that was suspended after nine pitches, but they got through five-and-a-half innings, made an official game. Red Sox scored three runs in the bottom of the fifth, and then the Marlins had a bases-loaded situation with, I believe it was one out or two outs at that point, and then just couldn't couldn't get yeah. scratch the runs across. I couldn't believe and, they finished that. I couldn't believe they even got to the point they did. I thought they'd call that game three different times. As did I, but as they got close to the fifth, their, I guess the logic was, hey, let's just get to five, make this official, and then yeah. bang it. And then Saturday, game was delayed by about 15 minutes, nothing major. Marlins lost that game three to one. They only went a healthy two for 12 with runners in scoring position. So, you know, progress. Better than over 12. (laughs) Better than over 12. And then Sunday, there was just absolutely no chance that game got played. It was – the weather was horrendous from the start. Uh, Marlins basically packed up their bullpen at – I want to say, if I remember correctly, it was about like 11.30-ish, about an hour and a half before first pitch. And they – just then, yeah, we're postponing this. So now that game will be made up on June 7th, i.e. the tail end of this third consecutive three-city road trip. So I.e. I. I. The, the extra two plane trips for uh, you, sir, as you uh, turn back to go up to Boston to then come back to South Florida. Eh, I'm, I'm racking up the miles. I'll take it. There you go. You <laughs> yeah, got enough got credits. 
Got to look on the bright side on all of this, especially after after all the flights I've already taken these first two months of the season. But yep. again, the Marlins, we know where their injuries are, but even at that point, they've dropped. I think the number is now four of their last five. They were, and that was after they made back up to getting tied in the second in the East. This team just, they need to figure out how to get healthy, and especially as we look at this infield specifically. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at it, just that left side is crushed right now without without Miggy and without Brian Anderson for a little while. But, you know, John Birdie, we saw a few glimpses of that when they were at home, you know, him stepping up. He hopefully he can continue to do that. And then Jose Devers, he's shown in spots that he can, you know, what he can do. And, you know, and, and we were talking about that even before we started recording, that the talent that he has, it's going to show up in spots. He's going to make some plays here and there. But like you said, they're still working on the communication part of it. I mean, again, I keep telling this this kid is not play, had not played above high A. That's a hard ask to bring him up this fast and put him into this situation and now put him in almost, you know, pretty much a starting role too. It's very ahead of schedule for him. And, you know, he's handling it as much as he can right now. But the ideal thing obviously is to get Jazz back in there to steady that a little bit on the left side. And hopefully they can, you know, hopefully in the, over the next, you know, few games that does happen, you know, for their sake. I mean, I think the big injury news was Starling getting yes. back and, and showing and right off the bat, another guy who hits, who literally gets a hit right away. And he, and he did it twice. He did it in both games. He had a double early on. You, you could tell he's still trying to get the timing down because even though he did get those hits early on, then, you know, one for three trying to get a little consistency going, but just having him back stabilizes the the outfield as well a little bit, but the infield, I think to me is the biggest concern right now, especially on that left side. Hopefully if jazz gets back, you know, we're still talking about a young player in jazz Chisholm as talented as he is as well. So, you know, you lose the veteran presence and that I think does hurt. So that's something that, you know, is a little bit worrisome as we get into a point now where, like you said, they've dropped four out of five. They're right on the cusp of that really bad patch they were hoping to avoid. So these games against Toronto, a very good Toronto team, and against Pittsburgh, four games still tough up there. So they're going to have to steady the ship a little bit out there. Yeah, and you mentioned not just veteran presence, it's two guys who are gold glove finalists on the left side of the infield now being replaced with your super utility guy at third base who, yeah. again, as you said, show some moments. And then while they wait for Jazz to return from the right ankle sprain, he's missed three consecutive games, would have missed a fourth if Sunday was actually played. But with that, you're going with a guy who – you're either going with a guy who's barely – who's only played a high A before this year, or you're going with – some sort of other combination, whether you put Birdie there, you move East on the third, you move Devers the third. It's just a lot of piecemealing at this point. And to the point where you have Luis Marte, the second Marte that we have now, who we'll yeah. talk a little bit more about in the second half of the show. He was supposed to get his, make his LB debut on Sunday and play it second because, I mean, East on slumping right now. He's yeah. hitting a very unhealthy 117. I, I'm not even going to make the sarcasm of the of a healthy 117. 117, uh, 217 slugging, 477 OPS. 
like I said before the show, you the one bright spot is he's getting on base by basically by walking. He's, yeah. He has 11 walks compared to seven hits right now this season. That's not going to be sustainable. They need either he even needs to find a way to improve at the plate, which I mean there has been some unluckiness, but he either needs to find some way to get some production offensively, or they're going to have to keep riding either either Jose Devers or see what they have in Luis Marte to try to find some sort of production there at at second base. But again, Luis Marte, we we talk about him, and he's an inexperienced element that you're dropping in there too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's shown the talent at the minor league level, but again, but how does he handle the major leagues? We don't know yet. So it's not, you don't have the sure things that you'd normally have, you know, with, with Miggy and Brian there. And it, that's concerning. And, th- and again, this team is in a state right now where it's starting to look like they're on the cusp of getting to the point where they didn't want to get, where we kept talking about them treading water it better happen and it better happen the next six games or the next seven games, adding the Boston game in there. I forgot <laughs> where <laughs> it better not be, you know, a one and six patch coming or a two and five. Cause then, then, then we're getting to a point where the whole complexion of the season is starting to change for what they were hopeful it was going to be. Yeah. And while the offense is still something that needs to be figured out, especially that infield, it looks like they're going to finally be back. If, the closest we can say they've been at full strength when it comes to their starting rotation come this week. Because yeah. the one thing that this off day actually might potentially help them with is they finally might be done with bullpen days. They were supposed to have one. I think it was going to be on Wednesday here in Buffalo, but with Sunday's game being being postponed, Sandy Alcantara moves from Sunday to Tuesday. Wednesday's now going to be Pablo who's supposed to pitch Tuesday. Eliezer Hernandez is eligible to come off the IL on Thursday. And then when you factor in Trevor Rogers continuing his fantastic freshman year and, or rookie year, sorry, why am I thinking college at this point? And then uh, Cody Pote having some, having a pretty impressive first month. You've got five starters. You have five yeah. guys who can give you what a concept. Yeah. I something <laughs> that I don't think they've had at all this year. So, yeah, I know, but I'd say what a concept, a five-starter rotation. Um, yeah, no, and Eliezer is the one that, I, that we've been saying for a little while now, you know, that we couldn't wait till he got back to see if he can carry over the great spring that he had and, and, and stabilize them right in the middle. He's back potentially on Thursday. That's huge. That's huge to get him back to, you know, plug him in there and, and hopefully, even though he's had time away, but at least he can – if he's kind of even somewhat what he was in the spring, that's, again, just the stability to to give you a start, eat up some innings, give the bullpen a rest a little bit. That's where that's where that rain out helped, you know, because, again, it gave, it gave that bullpen a break. Again, we talked about it. It's just they're getting used so much early in the season. You worry about the fatigue later on in the year and how that's going to look like. But, again – I mean, they better be contending for people for for it to really matter whether there's bullpen fatigue or not. I think, you know, whether that's going to happen. I think the next two weeks are going to be crucial to see if this team can stay afloat or if, you know, we're looking at we're looking at it again as, okay. now we just, again, throw all the chips into the long term project again. 
Yeah, but that bullpen fatigue, like you said, right now it's a double-edged sword. That having the game postponed on Sunday and that making it up on the seventh, the Marlins are playing six games in sixteen straight days now. Well, that's where well, and that's where the starters come in. Like we're yeah. saying, if Eliezer's in there and he stay and he, and and they can get some stability there, it's huge. But if they can't, here we go again. And you know, again, we've got it. We've got issues as far as like using too many innings and. There's no break in sight right now. Yeah, and to go around the rest of the injury, especially on the pitching front, Sixto Sanchez threw bullpen session last week. Edward Cabrera has thrown a couple IBP sessions. So we're seeing progress on that front with them, which, again, it's baby steps, but mm-hmm. they're finally, at least especially with Sixto, he's throwing off a mountain now, which is the first time since – yeah. That injury back on April 1st. That's good. Yeah, and that's a good sign too because that, that, that's real tangible progress and momentum toward him, you know, potentially returning soon. And, again, that's big to get him there. With Edward Cabrera, I like Edward Cabrera a lot, but I'm still kind of like – like I, I, I'm doing like the shush gesture now until I hear like he's taken the step where he's had like a rehab start or something like that. And then I'm like, okay – now we're really getting close because it's like he's like the it's like the perpetual tease like when do we see edward cabrera when do we see edward cabrera i'm gonna wait until he's like right there to get excited about him having a chance to get back yeah and then uh to just to quickly wrap up this first half of the segment uh toronto blue jays been playing some pretty good baseball here i'm just looking the legacies the legacies yeah i mean they've won two three four they won four of their last six. They came off of a doubleheader yet on Sunday that they split with Cleveland. They took three of four overall, or two of three overall with Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, they held their own against the Yankees last series. Took two of three before that. Yeah, they're yeah. right in that dogfight in the AL East with uh, with them, the Rays, and the Red Sox, and the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, and again, they have all the big the big names, the second generation of big names, I guess I yeah. should say. Yeah, Toronto that- legacies. Yep, yeah, it would. You know, with Vlad Jr., Bichette, you know, Biggio, all those guys. I mean, it's a it, we they were compared. Remember last year when they were talking about comparing them to the young talent, two two up and coming good farm systems, two young teams on the rise with them and the Marlins. They them a little more so with the bats than the, the, like the Marlins are more so with the pitching. But you know, a fun two game swing there. I know it's a quick it's a quick trip there to Buffalo, but. It's going to be interesting to see the Marlins' arms match up against those big bats. Yep, it's going to be quick two days in Buffalo, a day off, day off before that, two days off for the Marlins with Memorial Day on Monday, them getting that off, and going to get a chance to check out, get some wings out there too. So that's going to be that's going to be a fun time there. Got to always the a good thing. Got to throw out the food. The food stops there, and we'll be getting recommendations from people in Pittsburgh before I get out there again on Thursday. Oh well, Pittsburgh. You just walk around the stadium there at PNC. You're going to find a bunch of cool little spots there to eat. I remember that. That was one of the most fun trips, you know. Overall, I mean, I know it's funny how some people say, "Oh, Pittsburgh." No, Pitt, Pittsburgh's got its got its highlights to go out there. I, that I really like, and the ballpark's beautiful, like we said yeah. before. Yep, definitely. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And as we've done the last few weeks, we will do our minor league recap on the second half of the show. So we will be right back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. Minor league season. We're a month into it. We've gone through four weeks at this point. And, I mean, we can start with the typical Jesus Sanchez update. He's really slumping. He's only hitting 410 now. I mean, what's going on there? (laughs) But yeah, in I mean, all that, seriousness, that's a slump for him. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we've got a few topics to to bring up. Most notably, at least from my perspective, Double uh, A Pensacola and High A Beloit, they finally moved to five man starting pitching rotations, which is giving mm. a few guys, especially since they're doing the six game series, it gives one guy each series a chance to pitch twice in the same week. Uh, Max Meyer got to do it in double A this week and Zach McCandley got to do it in Beloit. Meyer, he was really good. He threw a grand total of eight and one third shutout innings. Something to note, however, he left his start on Sunday after three and a third no hit innings after 47 pitches. He had an apparent finger injury. Um, from what we got from Double A from Pensacola, their PR staff and their play-by-play people was that it looks like it was a blister, but they're saying it's precautionary. We'll mm-hmm. get an update. From, we'll get more of an update later on. But in his time out there, he looked really good, and it was good to see that he was able to bounce back after four days rest compared to the week-long break in between, like he's been doing basically since college. Yeah. But the injury, any sort of injury is always something of no, especially with the first round draft pick. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, a, it's unfortunate. And especially when you hear blister, you're worried that it's going to linger a little bit. But, you know, good to see Max, you know, going into that time frame and that schedule again to kind of get into that flow of, of, of pitching at that level and the rest part of it, you know, and, and, and obviously bouncing back quicker. That's all part of that process, all part of the developmental process but you hope that it's not if it is a blister you hope it's not anything severe that will set him back to the point where he loses that momentum and then has to kind of restart again to get back into that mode and then for the other pitcher who threw who had two starts Zach McCambly he threw nine total innings he went four and two thirds on Thursday four and one thirds on Sunday gave up a total of four runs on 10 hits and the positive, he struck out 13 and didn't give up a walk in either of the outings. He actually what, he, yeah. he hasn't given up a walk since his first start. Yeah, I was going to say, that. that's what I really like to see. That's what jumps out at you when he's not walking anybody at all. That's very good. I mean, I think that, that keeps him – he's in the zone. He's attacking well. He's locating well. You know, he's going to get hit every once in a while a little bit, but, you know, that – Little by little, that's something he'll learn. But the, the not walking is something that's hard to teach, especially at the young level. And I think that's that's big. That's a great sign to see in his development. Yeah, and since we've already talked about two of the 2020 draft pitchers, let's just recap the other three. Dax Fulton, I'm really happy to see the numbers that we're getting from him right now. Uh, he threw, again, remember, this is the lone high school guy they drafted. He's coming off Tommy John surgery. 
threw a career high four and two thirds innings, didn't give up a run, only allowed one walk and three hits and struck out seven. This yeah. was the best start that we've seen from him through his first four. And I feel like this is, again, between this and what he did last week with, I think it was four and a third, giving up only one run that last week. This is finally, I think we're starting to see a little bit of a glimpse now that he's finally starting to get settled in. Max and Dax. I think, well, that, well, going to Dax, I think his, um, it's a very, it's very encouraging because I think he, he was one of the most talented of the draft picks that they had. It's just, he was maybe a little slightly more under the radar than Meyer, obviously, but He's another one. I'm telling you, he's another one that could end up being a, a future piece for them. And it's good to see him bounce back, not only this, but from the injury. And it shows you how a lot of times nowadays pitchers are bouncing back from Tommy John a lot better than they used to. And he's one of them. So again, you see the the numbers there, not just the strikeouts, but again, the one walk. I'm going to point that out again, where it looks like the command is there. So it's definitely positive things to see from Fulton. All right, and then Jake Eater, once again, had another solid outing in double-A. Five innings, one unearned run, one hit, two walks, eight strikeouts. His ERA, it's an incredibly high 0.45 through (laughs) four starts as a fourth-round pick in his first year of pro ball. Very, very encouraging stuff there. And then Kyle Nicholas in Beloit, uh, two earned runs on five hits and two walks. Four and a third inning, struck out a career high 11. So, mm. again, this was a very good week for all five of the draft picks from last year. Jake Jake Eater is intriguing to me because I, I want to see where he's at a month from now. You yes. know what I mean? Because in college, we saw that he was like that where he had his he had his moments like these, and then he had other times where he struggled a lot. It was, it was always kind of like a seesaw when it came to his kind of numbers. So let's see about a month from now. I'm not saying it has to be, obviously it's not going to be 045 the whole season, but if he's solid, if he's consistent, then that's a good step in terms of his career as well, because we saw some of those inconsistencies in college. So let's see how he can do it at this level. And Nicholas is another fireballer, you know, another strike thrower and showing it as well. So that's good to see early on from him. All right. I basically did the bulk of the pitching. Andre, who stood out from you for, at the plate from the offensive side this week? Well, good old Peyton Burdick. You, got, you can always count on him to put up some good numbers. I mean, it was a nine-game hitting streak right now with double yep. A, 11 out of 12. He's he's doing it, five home runs. I mean, he's showing you the tools. He's showing you the whole package right now and the way he's one of the guys that looks like a potential future outfielder for them. He's going to be in that mix, you know, where they have a surplus of guys. And Griffin Conine at the lower level showing some, you know, some number 348, five RBI. He's got a 958 OPS this season, which is very good. Will Banfield, it's good to see those guys up there, even though, you know, it's just starting out up there. Their production, the production is there. First baseman Troy Johnston, I saw you're going to point out in your next column, 349, 13 RBI. Here's a name that you don't hear much about. So that's that's someone that's like maybe keep an eye on as well in the minor league system. He's obviously he's in his first his first 24 games so far with Class A Jupiter. But but Troy Johnston, good research by you, Mr. Mr. McPherson. Yeah, trying to dig in and give some of these guys who we're not talking about every week. Gotta give 
gotta give some of the other guys some love as well. But yeah, that was a name that <clears throat> popped out when I saw started looking at the numbers when I was looking everything up Sunday night, Monday morning. And again, I want to go back to Will Banfield for a sec, just because they've been talking about the Marlins organization in general has been talking about how much they want to see him take the next step offensively. They saw some things at the alternate training site at Instructs. It didn't really show up those first three weeks of of the season. And now he's finally, we're starting to see some production from him. I mean, drove in seven runs, scored five times. He hit a home run. He stole a base. If I'm right, I'm pretty sure I need to double check, but I'm pretty sure that was the first stolen base of his professional career. And then also he drew six walks. So he's showing the power, but he's also showing some patience at the plate, which is a pretty good balance when you double that with what you know he can do behind the plate defensively. And then back up in AAA, uh, Monte Harrison, need to just give a quick update on him. Since May 9th, he has hits in 14 of 17 games. Uh, nine of his 23 hits so far this season have gone for extra bases. Four doubles, a triple, four home runs. He stole six bases. We're seeing the athleticism. The strikeout rate is still extremely high, though. He's at 35 strikeouts through 93 plate appearances at AAA. That's just that still is not going to be sustainable long term. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, they, they show the athleticism. That's not something we doubt. I mean, that's he's been that guy the whole time. That he's always going to be a high strikeout guy. I think that's just something that what you hope is that it's to the point where it's not at these alarming rates. He can get to the point where the approach gets better, and then his natural abilities, the power, everything just kind of comes through. And the production comes out a little bit more consistently, uh, you know, out of his bat, because aside from that, yeah, when he does get on, he's a tremendous threat. I mean, we saw it even go back to the playoffs last year where he was their most dangerous pinch runner. I mean, all that is there, but again, 35 and 93, it's still, it's still too high. Even for a guy that we know is always kind of, his numbers are never going to be, you know, minute when it comes to striking out, but not that much is what you hope he can get to a point where he's not at, you know, at that range. Yeah. And then one more position player to recognize in triple a, a guy who got his cup of coffee in, in the majors last year during the COVID outbreak catcher, Brian Navarretto. He's hitting yeah. 267. He has a 904 OPS, a 10 ribbies, three home runs, eight runs scored over in 14 games of work. He's showing a little bit of, He's showing some pos- positive stuff there and gives the Marlins an extra option should something else happen with their catching situation. Obviously, Jorge Alfaro is back. They have Alfaro and Leon, which with the roster construction, who they have, that's their best one-two punch, and that's preferably what they're going to have long-term. But yeah. they have Navarro down there. They have Chad Wallach, who's down in AAA now. Uh, Santiago Chavez, interestingly enough, he – isn't a name that most people know about. He's mostly been in the double A, the high A double A level. He was on the taxi squad the last road trip, and he was actually with the club in Miami during the last homestand as basically the emergency guy. So that's also a name to just keep in the back of your head in case 
something does happen and they get into an emergency scenario here. Yeah, it's organizational depth and you want that. You want guys because, you know, everybody's like, oh, there's, you know, what do they have after Alfaro, just Benfield? Well, in terms of promising maybe potential, you know, strong talent, maybe, but these guys, these are these are the like the guys in between that can get an opportunity. And if they can even produce a little bit, that, that's huge. Like, again, that's organizational depth. Every team has to have a little bit of that, even if it's not your big-time prospects at, at every point. But you need solid players that can come up and potentially, if they're called upon, to come in some spots at the major league level and get their chance that they are going to do something and are going to keep help keep your team steady. Definitely. And to round out this week's episode of Fish Bites, uh, we're going to play the pregame interview that we got early uh, over this weekend with Luis Marte. Before you do, before one I little do quick this. thing in Go Toronto. One little quick thing in Toronto before you put Luis's uh, comments. Look for that matchup on Wednesday. Alec Manoa, who made his debut yes. against the Yankees, a very good South Dade High uh, grad going up against Pablo Lopez. Big matchup. Forgot to mention it earlier when we were talking about the series. Completely slipped my mind. Thank you for catching that, Dre. And now, Luis Marte. He's one of those feel-good stories. He spent a decade in the minor leagues. He's 27 years old, got the call up on Friday to join the club, has not actually made his MLB debut yet. But when we got him pregame on Saturday, you could just hear the enthusiasm, the excitement, the realization of a dream. And it's just, again, another reminder of the journey that so many players take in their baseball careers. A lot of them that we never really know about or think about until they're right in front of us and we're seeing everything happen. Uh, And instead of me trying to explain and just ramble on here, I'm just going to (laughs) let Luis Marte take the floor from here. And that will round up this week's episode of Fish Bites. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody, and we'll be back again next week. Yeah, hey there, Luis. Uh, first off, congratulations. Welcome up here. Uh, first, can you let us know, how did they tell you that you were going to be joining the team, and what was your initial reaction? Well, I was in the clubhouse, just sitting, playing on my phone, and then Al just called me. And I went to the office, and then he told me, like, Hey, Luis, you go to the big league. And I said, no way. And then, yes, you are. You go to the big league. And then I just sit down and start shaking. And then the next thing was, like, crying. And then, like, to be honest, an awesome moment. Like, I don't know what to do. And the follow-up with that, for you, with the journey that you've been on, just what did it mean to you to – get that announcement and who was the first person you told when after you found out well I called my wife and then I called my mom I called my dad and then they even answered the phone and then oh god who should tell I should tell and then I called my sister and finally she picked up the phone and she gets so excited like it's unbelievable you see her face just like so happy and crying like for me, it's kind of like everything. All right, next we'll go to Jess Blaylock with Valley. Thanks, Jason. Hey, Luis, we've 
we've had some guys in the past, you know, I think of a guy like Isaac Galloway who has put so much time in, in the minors and then how special it is to get that call. How much do you have to love baseball? I mean, you've got to be so passionate about it to never give up on your dream. How do you describe that, that love that you have for the game and uh, just how much the hard work is worth it to get to this moment? Well, I think the key is I just love play baseball because when I was three years old, my dad just take me to the field like every single day back in Dominican, and then he's the one just train me my entire life, be honest, like. And one moment I say, oh, I need to give up, but I say, no, I want to play baseball. And then I owe that to my dad and then just, I'm here and I'm, I guess he's so proud of me right now. Like, I don't even know how special he for him. Just me, just made it to the league. All right, back to Jordan. Yeah. Hey there again, Luis. Uh, what do you think you were able to show the coaching staff in spring training and during this first month in AAA that was able to get them to recognize who you are, the talent you have, and to give you the, that ultimately got you this opportunity? Well, I stand the mean things you mean, just be me. Go there in the field, just be me, nobody else. You'll be Luis Marte and the player, I just go there, have fun work hard, and then just grateful to God give me the opportunity. They managed to sign me and just show them I can play. And I can play, like, everywhere, like, whatever they put me, I will be happy, I will be ready for it. And then I've been waiting for this time, basically, like, my entire life. And for those who may not know you, you said you just need to show them that you're Luis Marte. Who is Luis Marte on the field and off the field? So Luis Marte on the field is baseball player. On the field is great person. I, I had one son and one daughter. Like that's my my life. And then I just when they're on the field, I'm just Luis Marte baseball player. When they're out the field, it's just Luis Marte the person. It's I'm two different person. When they're on the field, I'm the best person can be in the field. And the best person can be, but also a baseball player. Kyle Sila with Marlins Radio. Hey, Luis. I'm just wondering, and congratulations. After all these years, did you think you weren't going to get here? Did you ever feel like giving up after a decade in the minor leagues? Say again, please. I'm just wondering, after all these years, you worked so hard for a decade, for 10 years in the minor leagues, did you ever think you would get to the major leagues? Well, I never thought about it. But to be honest, I'm born to play in the big league, be honest to you guys. Like, are you here? And then I've been working so hard, and then I just know I deserve it to be in the big league, and I know I deserve it to be here. And... I'm bigly blind. I'm bigly right now. So it's all the matter. All the high work pay off. And then just have to use thanks God for giving me the blessing and be one more in the bigly. Let's go to Craig, also with Ali. Hi, Luis. Congratulations. Did you mention your sister's reaction? Who had the 
who had the wilder reaction, your mother or your father? And, and what were they individually? <laughs> well, to be honest, I used, my dad was playing softball. I don't know if you guys know what a softball is. And sure. then I call him and I, and then I say, hey, dad, I go into the big league. And then he just stubbed on the phone, like, he's studying the phone, like, for real, you go into the big league? I say, yes, like, I go into the big league. And then he started, like, crying, too, like, happy, you screaming, running. I say, dad, just calm down. I just made it. And then I'm here. So now I have to keep working hard. And then hopefully you stay here in the big league for a while. And held the mind and win a World Series. And your mother reacted to? Same thing. She was she was like driving and she told me she just stopped and started crying and say, Oh God, thanks God. I know how hard you've been working for this moment. And then she literally just cried a lot. And then I say, Oh mom, like just calm down. I tell the same thing I told my my dad. I'm here, I had to keep working hard. And then I had so blessed to give me the opportunity. And then I don't know what to express that moment when she told me that. Will you get a chance to see them at some point? I know travel's tricky these days, obviously, but any plans to, to have them come to see you again? Oh, well, yes. I tried to plan fly my mom here like next week. Depends how we schedule it and depends how Kobe play back in Dominican because I don't know how is the protocol over there. And then that's, yes, that's one of my wish. My mom just can fly here and watch me play in the big league field. Thanks. Go to Allison with MLB.com. Hi, Luis. Uh, I just want to clarify what you said way earlier. So you called your wife and your parents and, and, but they didn't pick up and your sister was the first one to pick up. Is that what you said? Yeah. She's the first one just picking on the phone. Like uh, it's, it's so a little bit crazy, but I know my mom, my dad, we are work, my wife too. Then you know what? Let me call my sister. She's at home. And then I call her and she pick it on the phone. And when I tell her, like she gets like so happy, like so high and say, Oh, and then I used to like, cry with her over the phone, so it's kind of like, well, it's emotion, but I had to do it. I've been working my entire life at this moment. Like I've been working so hard, and then she see me doing all this, and she that's why she gets so emotional and cry. And then I know, you know what, Luis? Nobody's so strong. Just cry, too. And then I start crying. <laughs> nice. Good luck to you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Alex Carver. Thanks, Jason. Hey, Luis, congrats again. Uh, I've, as you stated, you spent a, a long time in the minors grinding to get up here. I just wanted to know what's the best piece of advice or the biggest lesson you learned in the minor leagues that got you to this point? Thank you. So my big advice is never give up your dream. Like never give up, like keep working hard. Like the highway we pay off somehow somewhere no matter what season the big league no matter what season japan korea but he will pay off my big and buy is just like keep working hard and never get over your dream 